0: Checking. Check. 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 He's trying to make like a chicken noise. Yeah. A sound chicken? So, yes. The sound <laughs> it's it's a sound crack. chicken. <laughs> 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 Today's episode of Beer with Buffy brought. <laughs> <laughs> brought to you by Tourette's Chicken. <laughs> 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 I got nothing. <laughs> oh <fine. laughs> That's a good start off point. I was told you were coming. So, who do you kill for fun around? If this girl gives him one minute of happiness, it is one minute too yeah, much. She's not angel anymore. I'm back. Jeez. I don't like vampires. So I'll take a stand and say they're not good. You I you I It's fucking fantastic. I love that sound. Uh, the ice cream bar is this way. Welcome to Beer with Buffy. I'm Josh. I'm Rex. Today's episode of Beer with Buffy is reviewing Buffy the Vampire Slayer Season 2, Episode 19. Its title is, I Only Have Eyes for You. Holy shit, that's good beer. (laughs) Yeah, I've never had Hazelnut Vanilla (laughs) Java Porter before by Atwater Brewery. This is not a shameless plug. We're just drinking it for funsies. Damn, that's surprisingly good. But it's pretty decent. I'm okay with this. <sighs> so welcome to like our fourth or fifth different layout for recording. <laughs> I got a couch. We had a couple of different layouts <laughs> at the old apartment. Now we've moved around. To, I, th- I think this is our fourth arrangement. Yeah, because we had two at the old apartment. Yeah, and I am a creature of habit and it's weird. <laughs> it's weird every time. Like I'm, I'm also very adaptable, but you know, I get used to a layout and I expect it and then it goes away. And I am mourn a little bit. So You're going to be very upset when I get a new chair. Yeah. <laughs> I already am. Very upset even at the idea. I'm, I live to make your life miserable. I'm simply going to have to rearrange my chair every single time we record because I will not be sitting completely on the opposite corner of the living room from you. Yeah, that's that's obnoxious. You, I, well, I guess if you're in the couch, then that's not really the case.
1: Cool. So that's moot. We've solved absolutely nothing.
0: (laughs) We've solved the problem that we created ourselves. Speaking of problems, I'm really upset because, well, I've been studying for this A-plus exam, which is just hardware and software troubleshooting for computers in general. I've been studying for it for like a fucking year, even though it probably wasn't nearly necessary for me to study for that long. But... I was, I was going to reschedule one of those exams. You have to take two of them for this Friday so that I don't have to rush and do it by this Thursday before I have to work this weekend. Turns out Friday is the 22nd. I'm not taking that fucking exam on the 22nd. <laughs> oh, shit. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. But I don't want to push it back to next oh, week either. So I guess I'm just right. taking it Thursday. Yeah. Um, I mean, better to take it Thursday for you. Shit. Yeah, I guess. I'm, <laughs> I'm happy to get it the fuck out of the way and be done with it. This has been has going on. Has come up on this podcast before? The number 22? The number 22 has. The uh, A-plus certification has not. Yeah, I'm trying to be a real IT crowd member. What's Jen doing with the internet? <laughs> <laughs> People. What a bunch of bastards. <laughs> you do that one pretty good. Thank you. Roy is my spirit IT person. I specifically started trying to collect graphic tees with stupid quotes on them, specifically because of him. And I've I've failed at it quite a lot. Like most things you do. (sighs) Said the pot to the kettle. (laughs) Yeah, so. Alrighty. I guess how about a mom synopsis? That's what we're supposed to do next, right? Hold on, let me check the schedule. Yeah, yes. The schedule says a mom synopsis. You don't is next. have a schedule. <laughs> <laughs> Today's mom synopsis brought to you by Tourette's Chicken. <laughs> Sorry, that's just me dragging in shit from our sound check again. <laughs> yeah. It was funny though, it man. Was. It was it was the best kind of impulsive. <laughs> <laughs> but Also, I don't think we should really be making fun of people with Tourette's syndrome. No, no. Even though they did make a brief mention of it in the... Joshua! What are you doing? Why are you making fun of Tourette's syndrome? That's very insensitive of you (laughs) to do in front of people. Just do it in front of me. Uh... (laughs) Oh, that's a terrible sentence. (laughs) Just do it in front of me. (laughs) <laughs> what are you doing why aren't you telling me about buffy the vampire slayer i demand that you tell me more about buffy the vampire slayer this is why it's called demonization <laughs> are a buffy and angel back together again they seem to be having quite the moment wow uh, we're like 35 minutes into the episode mom There's a ghost at the school on the Hellmouth. Turns out Snyder has known this whole time and was commissioned by the mayor of the goddamned city. Foreshadowing. That the high school is on a fucking Hellmouth. Anyway, so he's not surprised at all when food in the cafeteria starts turning into snakes and... And students start (laughs) reenacting this murder that happened back in the 50s, specifically 1955, uh, and where a gun is completely capable of killing somebody, but then the gun immediately disappears, but the person's still dead. Problematic at best, really. Anyway, so they decide that they need to exercise this ghost, and Buffy's very against trying to give this ghost any kind of closure. Because it's a very violent ghost. And I can kind of sort of get on board with that. But then we all get the warm and fuzzies when she ends up being the one to deliver it some closure. And she gets some closure as well. Having a big fuzzy moment with Angel. But it's not really Angel. It's actually the ghost of this teacher from the 50s. Yeah. that's. I think that pretty much covers it. That's the mominipsis. The what? The, the I was trying to find a contraction for mom synopsis. The mom and just, I don't, I don't like, think that works I don't like it either. No. Yeah. Trying to have fun without me. We'll have our again. You are the one You're going to hell. We open on the bronze. Duh, bronze. We're Did seeing a bit more of that lately. A little bit. Yeah. They're bringing it back. Did you look up this band? You're the one that normally looks I, up the bands. I, I, I didn't look up this band. I'm very upset right now. Um, I did a quick cursory look, but I didn't find anything and I didn't have time. Cursory? Cursory. That's what I meant. Yay, English. I don't speak well, despite the fact that I have a podcast. No comment. No <laughs> comment you edit this <laughs> i'm aware you know how bad it is i'm i'm very aware dear listeners please thank josh for <laughs> all his hard work in making me not sound like a complete asshole <laughs> <laughs> so we we open up on the bronze and i don't know what the band was but the band was pretty fucking good buffy is up in the rafters of the bronze Willow's staring at Buffy up in the rafter. Well, in the it's more of a catwalk, really. Yeah. And she has some wonderful gilded pantaloons. Yeah, she's rocking the gold pants. But this dude comes up and asks her to the dance, even though it's a Sadie Hawkins dance, which is supposed to be reversed. Sadie Hawkins dance, the woman's supposed to ask the men. Who is Sadie Hawkins? I don't fucking know. I just know that a Sadie Hawkins dance is when the women are supposed to ask the men and take the men to the dance. I did not know that. Yeah, it's a whole thing. I I just thought that was the name of this particular dance. Nope, and that that was also a thing that they were doing with it. I didn't realize those two things were related. Good to know. But she turns it down because, well, she's not in the she's not in the dating mindset. Yeah, I almost couldn't tell when this guy came up to her if that was David Boreanaz or not. Christ, Buffy has a type. Oh yeah. <laughs> oh, you- or rather, Buffy's type has a thing for her because probably they, both. They keep approaching her. Definitely, without question, he fits her type. If she was not just in a very bad place, he'd have probably had a fucking chance. Yeah. No, I, I felt like they they could have clicked. He seemed like a super decent dude. Yeah. Which there seems to be a real shortage of in Sunnydale. Oh, yeah. So, yeah, she, I mean, she comes down from the, the rafters after turning him down. And she's kind about it. She's like, I'm just not dating ever again. Talks to Willow, and Willow's like, you should go out. You should have fun. You should be spontaneous. Because she's about to leave, and she says she's going to go back to the school, then go patrolling, and then sack it, which I guess just means go to bed. Yeah. Okay. Yay 90s slang. I know, right? (laughs) And so Willow's like, well, you've kind of been all work and no play, Buffy. (laughs) All work and no play makes Buffy a dull girl. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) Buffy says, I play. I have big fun, (laughs) which just... No, I don't know why it came out that way. It's just funny that it did. I've noticed that there's kind of this trend that she actually has with the with this kind of response. This sort of flippant, blatant BS where her delivery is very similar each time she does it. Mm-hmm. It's like the, the line that she had a while back and she's like, I'm not jumping to conclusions. I took a step and their conclusions were. And their conclusions were. And it's that same kind of tone, that the exact same kind of flippancy. It, a- it adds a, a common tonality to her character, and I appreciate that. Yeah, I feel like that particular moment that you just cited, though, she was a lot more certain about what she was saying, but in this particular example where she's saying, I have big fun, it's more of a defensive thing. Yeah, True enough. So after she says, I play, I have big fun. Uh, Willow's trying to convince Buffy to be more impulsive, and one of my quotes of the day here... I just liked the way she said it. She says, impulsive. Do you remember my ex-boyfriend, the vampire? I slept with him. He lost his soul. Now my boyfriend's gone forever. And the demon that wears his face is killing my friends. The next impulsive decision I make is going to involve my choice of dentures. It is a good line. I mean, I feel like dentures are something you really don't want to fuck up. You have to eat with those. Yeah, like uh, my dad has dentures (laughs) and uh, the first pair he got didn't fit right. And that caused him a fuck ton of pain. I, I can imagine that, that that is not something you want to just do on a whim. Yeah, no thanks. Hair curlers would be something you could do on a whim. Yeah, there you go. Dyeing your hair blue. Yeah, there you go. Why not? That's a good, safe, impulsive thing to do, Buffy. Dye your hair blue. Getting a cat. That wasn't that impulsive. I mean, it's, it's quite easy to get a cat impulsively, though. Fair. Yeah, I did not do it impulsively, though. Also fair. I used to have this thing. I had an idea for a one-hour challenge in one of these challenges, something that you can challenge somebody to do in an hour. And one of them is acquire a kitten. I bet you could do it. You could get two or three in an hour. Oh, God. You could get a whole litter. <laughs> I mean, literally all you'd have to do is go on Facebook and say, hey, I need a cat right the fuck now. Literally. And there would be like, hey, guys, I know I know of kittens. There's always kittens. You could get a litter. Literally. Oh, God. <laughs> that was a bad pun. So. So we go to the school. It's at night. And there are, there's a couple that is arguing. Very dramatically. It's a breakup. Yep. And he pulls a gun on her. As he's saying, love is forever. And then we get the opening. And after the opening, Buffy steps in, tosses the dude to the floor. Uh, Yanni the anitor comes in. (laughs) I guess he, like, runs up to the woman to make sure that she's okay. He, like, grabs a hold of her for some reason. I, didn't, I don't recall what the janitor did at this part, but was it just me, or did it take Buffy like a full eight seasons to get down that hallway to knock him over? It really did feel like it, didn't it? Like, I feel like she should be faster than that. Oh, yeah. well. But yeah, she stops it and... Specifically knocks the gun out of his hand. Yep. They're like, what's going on? They're like, there was a gun. And they look, and there's no gun. But what's interesting is both the, the boy and girl... Like, they have full memory of what happened. I find it interesting that they remembered what happened, but they don't understand why they were arguing. And the the woman even says as such that yeah. they, don't, they don't know why they were arguing. Five minutes ago, they weren't. Yeah. From there, we go to the next day. And Snyder's back! Snyder! We haven't seen him since episode 10. We've missed you, even though your last scene really kind of sucked. Yeah. It was just lame and shoehorned, and I, I mean... Well, not really shoehorned, but he keeps getting these little bit parts, but this one's not that much better. Like, you almost kind of expect them to write him into the show where he'll, like, walk into the room, say something, and then walk out. (laughs) (laughs) Snyder! (laughs) Is Odo in here? No. (laughs) Oh, wrong show. All right, I'll see you next season. (laughs) But, of course, he's immediately... Get off my promenade! (laughs) But, yeah, he immediately starts accusing Buffy of being the culprit in this situation. Snyder says, uh, (laughs) he says, people can be coerced, Summers. I'm no stranger to conspiracies. I saw JFK. I'm a truth seeker. I've got a missing gun and two confused kids on my hands. Pieces of the puzzle. And I'm going to look at all the pieces carefully and rationally. And I'm going to keep looking until I know exactly how this is all your fault. Yeah. What the fuck, Snyder? That's not rationally. Not at all. Oh, Quark. I mean, oh, Snyder. It it really fucking bothers me. What a stinker. My favorite bit with this entire fucking scene, though, is his intercom goes off. <laughs> and the secretary says, Billy Crandall chained himself to the snack machine again. And his response is, pathetic low life vegans. <laughs> yeah. And he has to like go deal with this problem. Apparently, Billy Crandall has a habit of chaining himself to the fucking snack machine. <laughs> yes, it's a habit. It's something he does involuntarily. No, don't let Billy walk past the snack machine again, you guys. But I have to to get to class. Click. Fuck. <laughs> I did it again. Ah. <laughs> <laughs> Might as well get get some Cheetos while I'm here. But he's vegan. Damn it. (laughs) I mean, it's probably all just high fructose corn syrup and fucking cornmeal anyway. Actually, a fuck ton of goddamn snack foods are vegan apparently. Huh. I mean, is, that doesn't surprise me. It is actually really fucking easy to have an extremely unhealthy vegan diet. Yeah, no, it doesn't surprise <laughs> me at all that the, they're vegan, but still of absolutely no sustenance. Just all, Precisely. all garbage. Preservatives and filler. Dig this. Dig this. Sorry, you has a wait. Fire, beheading. Hurry up, up, sweet dreams. Sunlight. Hurry up, sweet dreams. The water. Usual. Hit him With what? A desk. Snyder fucking makes Buffy stay there and fucking wait for him. By the way, you were pretty good at the Snyder voice. I think we could actually we could tag team this uh, this Snyder and Odo thing. I don't remember what I said. The thing about um, him being a pathetic low life vegan. Oh, I don't think I could do it on purpose. No, no, no. Just call him a pathetic low life vegan again. I can't do it if I'm put it on the spot. Come on, you got this. Here, boy. <laughs> Come on. Come on. Fuck you. Come on, Rex. <laughs> Here, boy. Well, I got to read the first line <laughs> first. The intercom says, Billy, Cran- Billy Crandall chained himself to the snack machine again. Pathetic lowlife vegans. I'll be your pathetic lowlife vegan on the promenade. Uh, damn it. I was trying to do the Odo voice. Yeah. What the fuck? Uh, <laughs> that's pathetic lowlife vegans. How's that? Is that, is that Okay. <laughs> That's all right. We'll work on it. We'll work on it. Anyway, he fucking makes Buffy stay in the office and wait for him. What a bastard. Yeah, he's like, oh, I'm not done with you. And Odo off in the distance is like, I'm not done with you either. (laughs) I'm coming, Odo. (laughs) I had plenty of pineapple. It's going to be. Oh, my God. No. (laughs) No. That make you go. <laughs> anyway, the ghost is so kind as to grab the only fucking yearbook on the bookshelf. That and it's the only yearbook, and it's the 1955 yearbook. No, there were lots of yearbooks on that shelf. I didn't. I didn't realize the rest were yearbooks. They didn't look like yearbooks. They weren't necessarily all yearbooks, but there were definitely other yearbooks. I paused it and I looked. Oh, oh, well, okay. But he pulls the fucking yearbook off the shelf so Buffy sees it. Yeah. So I guess while the ghost is angry, he's he does want help? That's good, right? He seems to, yeah. I mean, I don't understand why this didn't come up less than 50 years later. Right. Maybe it's just because the Hellmouth is having a surge in power of some sort. What if... The Sadie Hawkins dance is not a yearly thing that they have done, and they just haven't done a Sadie Hawkins dance since 1955. Also entirely possible. But really, I think the main mechanic of Buffy the Vampire Slayer in general that really just explains everything away, ever, Hellmouth. Yeah. Yeah. The Hellmouth is is a convenient Hellmouth. Yeah. It was the Hellmouth's fault. But why Hellmouth? Yeah? I mean... Yeah, but they're... Shh, shh, shh. Hellmouth. So Willow's teaching computer class. Yeah. I didn't pay any attention to what she was saying about computer class. Was that like Star Trek nonsense that she was blabbing about? It definitely but... was. I bet you'd think coding is pretty cool. I mean, if you find two-digit multi-stacked conversions and primary number clusters, a big hoot. Ha <laughs> ha I've done a fair amount of coding. Granted, I never did any coding in the '90s, right? So maybe Who the she fuck was, knows what language they're using. She might have been talking about machine code for all I know. I've, oh fuck that! I've only done really <laughs> high level coding. If she was if she was talking about really low level coding, then that's that could very easily be real shit. She makes the joke. The class laughs. She t- looks like she's doing a pretty fucking good job teaching. Yeah. Is she just not going to the, her other classes now? Is I, she just teaching computer class all day? I mean, she's clearly got a career ahead of her. She doesn't oh, need yeah. to go to her other classes. Right? But Giles comes in well, and... I, this, this is like a huge labor law violation. Oh, yes. <laughs> yes, definitely. Uh, but it's the Hellmouth, so it yeah, doesn't matter. Exactly, Hellmouth. So Giles <laughs> comes in and she she's talking to Giles and she's very proud of herself, as she should be, mm-hmm. because she's doing a good job. But one of the things she mentions is that she has all of Miss Calendar's lesson plans that she found on Miss Calendar's computer. On Miss Calendar's computer. Excuse me? E- fucking excuse me? The one that Angel destroyed? Yeah! Yeah. Excuse me. If you have access to the calendar, how come you don't have access to the fucking ritual that she fucking translated? Have you been paying attention at all, Rex? It was the Hellmouth. I call bullshit. (laughs) No, actually, I think the real solution to this is that Angel only destroyed the monitor because he's an idiot. Right. But (laughs) It's like, like, you guys, (laughs) (laughs) they said the files are inside the computer. Like, how do they fit in there? (laughs) just the image the image of david boreanis doing that voice (laughs) yeah i have issues with this whole bit with miss calendar's files granted though willow is talking about like there's a lot of stuff on paganism and and witchcraft obviously miss calendar would not have only saved the fucking files on the floppy disk why is Willow not come across the fucking ritual yet? Oh, that she it's that she would have only saved the ritual files on the floppy exactly. disk. Exactly. Okay. Um, I mean, if she has all her fucking lesson plans or anything, files on a fucking computer are easily sorted by date and time. She'd have noticed the last fucking file saved on the fucking hard drive for fuck's sake absolutely but i i think at this rate with the computer having very clearly and overtly been destroyed and now suddenly the writers are like oh fuck but how's willow teaching the class so what was it a choice just to dumb willow down why why bring up miss calendar's files well maybe maybe they're setting it up for later but the point i was gonna make is it's defying logic for the sake of convenience, and it's one of those things we have to just let go. Because I know, I know, with them, with them being like, "Oh, oops, um, no, we can't have the computer destroyed. We need that for later for reasons." They have the floppy disk. They can clearly just back up on anything that they establish later. Yeah, kind of like um, one of the goofs that they made in the episode with where Oz becomes a werewolf is that the hunter dude douchebag says that he hunts werewolves for their pelts and their teeth however in every single other episode where there's a werewolf it's clearly established and even in that episode is clearly established that they turn back into human after they die how's he collecting their pelts yeah i never noticed that so yeah the the writers don't mind being like yeah we never said that Never mind. That's annoying. Yeah, it really is annoying. The one thing that is brought about, and I maybe this is the biggest reason why they brought up the files and whatnot, but uh, Willow pulls out a necklace for Giles. She wants to give it to Giles. It's a protection thing. It's made of rose quartz. Yep. Which is very pretty pink quartz. Did somebody say quark? No. No. Get off my promenade. Go back to Deep Space Nine! Promenade! (laughs) I like how your Odo in that voice kind (laughs) of sounds like Hank Hill. Damn it, Quark. That promenade ain't right. (laughs) There's got to be a stall for propane and propane accessories, (laughs) right? You you mean besides me? No. I didn't ask. You mean mean besides me? Do you believe? Do you believe? Do you believe? believe? I didn't ask. We have to achieve our dreams. Otherwise, we wither and die we're going to the other cool place in sunnydale from here we go to econ class i'm guessing it's econ class they're talking about the new deal buffy does this weird flashy backy thing to a boy have (laughs) flashy backy that's right (laughs) no i like it that's (laughs) i approve flashy backy totally like it totally in the spirit of buffy she does it a lot in this episode too yeah She sees this boy having really unprofessional relationship, touchiness with with his female instructor, teacher, person. Yep. It all comes crashing down as soon as the door starts to open. And then we see that her history teacher has accidentally written, Don't walk away from me, bitch, on the chalkboard. He's channeling the quote of the day, apparently. Because that line is uttered multiple times in this episode. Get out of here, Tourette's chicken. What are you doing on my chalkboard? Who let the chicken out of the cage? Did you let the chicken out of the cage? Who let the chicken? <laughs> <laughs> Tourette's chicken says, go fuck yourself. <laughs> Tourette's chicken, I will roast you and eat you. That's very inappropriate, Rex. I'm very uncomfortable right now. But roast chicken is delicious. I don't know what the fuck you're talking about. I know how to slaughter and pluck a chicken. <laughs> You can't... Don't think I don't. You can't <laughs> say that about special needs chickens, Rex. Chickens are chickens, and I like chicken. Especially fried chicken. So Buffy's telling Xander... <laughs> Buffy's like, something's weird. And he's like, oh, geez, something... Hellmouth! <laughs> he says specifically, something weird is going on? Isn't that the school motto? Yeah. And... He's not wrong, <laughs> <laughs> and damned well timed moment as he's opening his locker. Did you get this quote right before? Yeah, because his whole point is it's the hellmouth. It, you know, he says I don't want to poo-poo your Wiggins, but a little domestic dispute and some chalkboard tourettes It all sounds to me, it all sounds like home ec life to me. He says hellmouth life doesn't hellmouth hellmouth. Yeah, he says hellmouth life because he's chalking it up to just normal hell hellmouth weirdness. That makes a lot more sense. I heard um, hellmack, and then as soon as he opens the fucking locker, an arm comes out and grabs a hold of him and just starts slamming him, him into the <laughs> <Yeah>. fucking locker. <laughs> All sounds like hellmouth life to me. Ah! <laughs> ah! <laughs> exactly. It was it was pretty fantastic. So that looked like that really hurt the way it was pulling him into the locker. Yeah slamming Kudos him. to fucking Nicholas Brendan yeah. for that was that was Nicholas Brendan there was no stunt double or anything like that he was taking hits there well they they obviously have those lockers set up so that there's a big wide hole in the back of them right you know they have to get the camera back there somehow but also it works for gags like this but he was slamming Full upper body into the fucking lockers. That had to hurt. Yeah, either that or he's just really good with, you know, physical stunts like that. We already know that he did a great Pratt fall in episode one. That is true. Maybe he is more of a physical comedian than we've noticed. And I think Foley does a lot for making stuff like that convincing with the metal slamming sound effect. True. I think that's true. really what did it. They would never do it if this was. Half as professional in production as I think it was. They would never do anything to hurt an actor. That is like number one. Yeah, number you know, one on on film sets and in live productions is safety first because they don't want to get sued. And more importantly, the nineties. This was ninety eight when this aired. Uh, the nineties were well before when this trend of actors doing their own stunts was a thing. Oh sure, that's that's more of the. The uh, mid-2010s that all these actors are like, I will do my own stunts. Well, I know Viggo Mortensen insisted on doing all his own stunts in Lord of the Rings. That was around 2000. And so did Tom Cruise when he did Mission Impossible. Which Mission Impossible, though? The first full feature-length motion picture with Tom Cruise. Really? Yeah. So, the locker attacks. Yeah, I mean... Were you as equally annoyed that why would Buffy open the door and shove her face peeking in v- the very first thing? I have no idea. Like that's the best way to lose your eyes, right? Like the, it was a hand that grabbed him and just poke poke her eyes out. Yeah, like Boop. and blind Slayer can't help anything. <laughs> <laughs> But I think the ghost is legitimately trying to get Buffy to help. So they go to the library where <laughs> there's a, a fun little exchange here where Xander is like So Xander says <laughs> Xander walks in with his shirt all fucked up and Willow's like, What happened? Did Cordelia win another round in the bat in the broom closet? <laughs> I just thought that was funny. It was a really good Willow line. It was. Why didn't I write that down? <laughs> so congratulations, Willow, for you know being able to roll with the punches. She's still got a good amount of cattiness. So, uh, but basically, they find it. They they decide that it must be a ghost, probably a poltergeist, because it's very violent. Giles says, "Ooh, sounds like a, a paranormal phenomenon." And Willow's like, a ghost? Cool. Xander's like, oh, no, 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 cool. This was no wimpy chain rattler. This ghost was, uh, I'm dead as hell and I'm not going to take it anymore. And one of my quotes of the day, he says, Giles responds with, well, uh, despite the Xander speak, that's a fairly accurate description of a poltergeist. I define something accurately. Guess I'm done with the book learning. Damn right. (laughs) So he all flippantly like flips the a book closed and everything. It's fantastic. Yeah, it was it was an excellent moment. So I mean yeah, basically the rest of the scene is they just establish that it's definitely a fucking poltergeist. Yeah, and that they, they pretty much need to assuage the ghosts. They need to heal his pain. Yep. You know, it's fucking Field of Dreams all over again. Oh, yeah. We go to the school at night. We get the same lover spat scene with Yanni the Yander and one of the teachers. This time with Scruffy and Mrs. I had her name a minute ago. It doesn't matter. Yep. random red shirt teacher and she ends up actually dying this time though. Giles overhears what's going on. Yes. And he thinks it's Miss Calendar. He does already, which is a bit weird. That's that's a whole nother... Well, did you hear the the whisper before he left the library? Yeah. It was definitely a female's voice that But said, I think it's the I teacher. You. I think it's the teacher, not Miss Calendar. Eh, I th- I think we had ourselves a fuchsia salmon there for a second. I think yeah. I think they made it a female voice <laughs> on purpose to throw us off. Ah, but we do find out later that it's it's not one ghost or the other ghost, it's both ghosts yeah, exactly. doing this haunting. Exactly. And so Yanni actually kills the teacher yeah. out on the promenade. Giles tackles the dude and they watch the gun vanish. Yeah. It was a really cool effect. It was. It was like Sand with too much air in it. I don't think that works the way you think it works. So, <laughs> um... So then we go... Well, the janitor's confused, just like the kid was. Yes, of course. And, but now... He actually fucking killed someone. And Giles is like, what's going on? You just shot someone. So, I just want to mention it now, before we go to the layer scene, because I might forget by the time right. we get back to the library giles is talking about this and it sounds like it's the next day and the police have come and gone from this whole incident and like this poor janitor probably just went to prison for a long time this poor janitor is in the same fucking cell block as the hyena kids (laughs) yeah (laughs) exactly well no the hyena kids might have gone to juvenile okay they're in the same mental ward Sure, (laughs) because they remember doing horrible things for reasons they can't understand. That like he joined the hyena kids, but I mean, without a murder weapon, they might have a harder time convicting him. Question: How fucking confused was the fucking medical examiner when he didn't find a bullet? (laughs) Or well, no, it's not not so much the medical examiner, unless there wasn't an exit wound. Uh, But let's assume there was an exit wound. Can- well, if she got hit in the chest, there's rarely an exit wound when, with chest shots. Okay, then probably the medical examiner. But if there was an exit wound, the ballistics person would have been the confused one. Either way. Somebody on that forensics team is going to be very confused. Now, at most, that was a nine millimeter handgun that would not have an exit wound with a chest with a chest shot. So the chances are the the medical examiner was really fucking confused when there's no bullet. Hellmouth, <laughs> but he's probably all on the mayor's payroll too. So it works. Yeah, absolutely. The The new layer as uh Angel is showing Drew the new garden. And being a complete dick about it. Right. And Drew just eats it right up. Yep. Angel's showing her the garden. She loves the garden. He wheels in and says, Big windows, lovely gardens, that'll be perfect when we want the sunlight to kill us. Yeah, basically. And Angel just can't stop making wheelchair jokes. Right. It's way worse than me making fun of a chicken with... (laughs) Um, Way worse. (laughs) Hit the stairs. Take a stand, man. Two of them in one. Goddamn. Yeah. Gotta be able to roll with the punches. Well, (laughs) looks like you've already got that part down. Very funny, mate. One of the things I love about this scene is... James Marsters perfectly portrays the, I'm sucking this up to just savor it later. You see it in every fiber of his being in this scene and the next scene. Yeah. He's beyond done with Angel I'm yeah. jealous. You can hear his inner monologue is, I'm just fucking biding my time and I'm going to fuck you over. So we close out this scene with Angel saying, what can I say? I just love to see you smile. And Spike says, yeah, you're a giver. (laughs) (laughs) My God, the way he's just all over Drew. Right. I thought, especially in the next scene that they're in. Holy shit. Oh, I'm confusing it with that, actually. But. No, he's all over her in this scene. He's, he's too. all over her in like every scene, but I was thinking of the one where he's like running his hand up her stomach. He's all but molesting her. I really thought Drew had more loyalty to Spike. Yeah. I really can't believe that she. I know she's batshit crazy, but she's not completely. She should. She's healed. But yeah. the writers were like, no, nah, we didn't like that idea. Let's go back to her being crazy because it works better. Um. Oh, and also she's not. Well, she is in love with Spike, but it's more like she'll just go for whoever's more fun at the moment. Yeah, it's confusing. Sure, he's a blood-sucking evil demon, but I feel bad for Spike. Yeah, so the abridged version, vampires get a new lair, Angel's a dick, Spike is unamused. To the yep. library. To the library! Basically, Giles just recounts the this incident. Yanni the Yanditor remembers the whole thing. He'll end up with the fucking hyena kids. Will Buffy and Zan thinks he is clearly mistaken about the ghost being Jenny. Yeah, Giles is gung ho about it being Jenny. Willow Buffy and Xander are arguing with Giles about it being Jenny because it makes absolutely no sense, and he just won't let go of it. So he says, "I I appreciate your thoughts on the matter. In fact, I I encourage you to always challenge me when you feel it's appropriate. You you should never be cowed by authority, except of course in this instance when I am clearly right and you are clearly wrong." Hey, Giles, you're wrong, buddy. (laughs) Hellmouth. Yeah, and immediately they cut to the computer room where obviously the Scooby gang needs to have a conversation about the situation without Giles fucking it up. Yeah. (laughs) I love that they completely find a solution to this. Immediately. Devoid of Giles' help. And they specifically leave him to his own devices Yeah, while they're actually... Um, carrying out the plan later Willow finds the fucking news clipping and they narrow down exactly who the ghost is within fucking seconds of a Google search seconds so they go straight to the computer room but Google existed in 98 right I I feel like it was only just coming around um, when I was in like ninth or 10th grade which was 98 no no in, in 98 it was ask Jeeves something like that yeah, Google was just up and coming, but they didn't say anything about Google in this episode. No, it was no, just I'm just saying that, like, how... She found that news clipping awful fast. She found that news clipping Google fast. She was specifically looking up shootings at the school, and I just assumed that she was checking something on their internal servers. On their internet. But Buffy, yeah, is super bitter. And just... Very callous about the whole love thing in this episode. Well, they all come to the same conclusion. Clearly, Giles is suffering the emotional fallout of losing Jenny and desperately shooting in the dark, no pun intended, to feel like she's not gone. And he's still in denial about Jenny, which is really sad. But they all agree on that very quickly. And Buffy blames herself, as per usual. And then from there, we cut to the lunchroom. Yearbook because Buffy's like I know what year it was. I just assumed that they picked it up. Yeah. I mean, it was it was really quick. That's that's the scene where they look at the yearbook. Anyway, the next scene is the lunchroom, cafeteria. Uh Cordelia's complaining about the Sadie Hawkins dance. She is unquestionably not a feminist. <laughs> <laughs> she wants to be fucking wooed and paid for. Right? Well, neither's fucking Xander for that matter. She's like, whose idea was this? And he says, probably some hairy legged feminist. Right. And I was like, what's that about? I mean, we know Xander is not a feminist. My question with Cordy and bringing up this now is. This is the day of the Sadie Hawkins dance, and she is just now bringing up that it's bullshit. The day of the dance, she's complaining about it. Why had she not brought it up before this? So all of the food turns into snakes. Yeah, immediately. And uh, it's What the fuck? Clearly because of all the carbs that they were serving. Yeah. Everybody was hallucinating because they were going into anaphylactic shock. <laughs> From too much goddamn... Did you notice... Too high a blood sugar. Jesus. Did you notice how sloppily the lunch ladies were just, like, slopping the spaghetti onto the plate? There was, like, spaghetti hanging off the plate when they handed it to oh, kids. Oh, I noticed how sloppy it was. <laughs> <laughs> Damn you, get out of my cafeteria. But everyone scatters. Everyone runs. Uh, Cordy gets bit by, this, by a snake on the face which she is unhappy about. Um, but we get some foreshadowing for the mayor because obviously Snyder is controlling the situation and talking to the the cop, the mayor. Uh, right, we get Hold on, I'll get there. So he's talking Snyder is talking to the cop about how to cover up and explain the situation. Yeah, it was a sewage backup. Right. It looked like a sewage backup to me, Rex. Right, but he specifically says something along the lines of, oh, we can't keep lying to people like this. What are we going to do? And the cop is like, you signed on for this. The city council thought that you would be able to handle this. Should I talk to the mayor? And Snyder goes pale fucking white. And is like, no, don't talk to the mayor. (laughs) because." And that's some good fucking foreshadowing in bringing up the mayor in this episode. Did you not think that was a good excuse, Rex? Last time I had a sewage backup, it looked a lot like snakes. Um, we're not going to talk about your sewage backups. We do not have time nor the intestinal fortitude to talk about your sewage backups. (laughs) (laughs) Would you put the chicken back in the fucking cage? That chicken disapproves. Put the chicken back in the cage. Fuck. A fucking sad (laughs) see what you did you insensitive prick I will pluck that chicken and eat it yeah well you already did emotionally it's got nothing left to live for Rex good (laughs) it will be delicious yeah hey got your steak steak hey got your So from there, we cut to Buffy's room, where they're talking about the situation. Cordy and Buffy and Willow and Xander are all there. They decide that they have to do an exorcism. Cordy gets a good line here. She says, are you crazy? I saw that movie. Even the priest died. Which valid point, right? (laughs) But apparently at this point, it's hypothesized by the Scooby gang that James, the, the male ghost... Is fixating on Buffy specifically. Luckily for the Scooby Gang, the exorcism requires four whole people. Hmm. But the. So. Willow, Xander, and Cordy have to be spread out and light their candles, and Buffy has to be in the center, and they have to be at specific areas of the weirdness going on. Yeah. So what did they call it? Um, I heard a Mengus tripod. I didn't write it down. Like a mingling or something like... Something weird. Yeah, something like that. Some sort of occult Yeah, and then we cut to the school where they're walking into the school to get ready to set up for it all. And my favorite part about this whole fucking bit is that they're foreshadowing how much Willow is getting into witchcraft. Yeah. I didn't realize that Miss Calendar being a techno pagan was such a catalyst to Willow becoming a witch. Yeah. And I like that. I like that they, they brought it in very subtly. But of course, Cordy is like, oh, this will be a piece of cake. <laughs> All the doors slam shut, and then we get this awesome Evil Dead-style camera shot up to the last f- front door to yeah. close. Oh, man. It's a... It's good cinematography in this bit. It is. Well, that's th- that's the second kind of Evil Dead inspired moment that we have. Like that comedic, but also really sardonic kind of tone. But not just that. Joss Whedon especially loves handheld. But he does handheld in a good way. As opposed to a lot of fucking uh, directors nowadays do handheld in a fucking sloppy way that makes you just queasy. Michael Bay handheld explosion. Exactly. Yeah. And then we cut to layer 2.0, which from now on is layer 2.0 in my notes. Sure. So, Drusilla senses a gate or something. Do you get the feeling she's trying a little too hard to be weird? Yeah. 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 Um... I don't want to say that it feels like she lost her mojo for this crazy weirdness that she's pulling off. Yeah. But it feels a little bit like she lost her mojo for this crazy weirdness that she's pulling off. <laughs> 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 and I, this is when Angel just is outright molesting and groping her. Yes. Could couldn't, have, p- couldn't have put it better myself. They have the camera in a position where they mostly just show their faces and his hand is wandering off... off Camera? A little bit. Um his hand went up her skirt. I that is the only thing I could fucking see at this point. Oh my. Exactly. And Spike is just swallowing it back, swallowing the anger. I think Spike is now the one who's brooding the best. (laughs) (laughs) God damn it, Angel and Drew. I'm so broody. <laughs> Can't you see how broody I am? I'm so fucking broody mate. <laughs> broody mate. <laughs> so Spike says uh when Drew's like uh it, you know that's like your opinion, man. <laughs> <All right. laughs> no, Drew has some sort of weird vision about Buffy dancing and yep. a gate opening and Telling Angelus that this is his chance, and Spike says, "Big deal. He won't do anything. All hat, and no cat." Yep. And this is the moment where Angel decides to actually fucking that he's he's gonna actually kill Buffy for once. Yeah. He decides that he's done with Finally! that. Finally, decides he's done with that, and he's gonna tie it up because he needs to spend more time at home because Spike and Drew can always use another hand. Oh, as he's fucking groping Drew. It. It, oh man, it's it's. Bad. No, and he's just swallowing it back. He's yeah, he's it's... he's he's taking in the anger and using it to power himself. If looks could kill, he'd murder everyone in Sunnydale in an instant. Like that, that whole new layer would have just exploded into fucking flames. James Marsters can do the clenched jaw really fucking well. It has a well-defined it's a very well defined jaw. It's very nice jaw. So we cut back to the school. Giles is trying to contact Miss Calendar. They're all storming the castle. Um, um they're 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 about ready to do that. Um, the exorcism. Yep. They they spread out through the school. Yeah, and the I, first contact anybody makes is Willow with Giles. Right, but hold on. I want to make a point of mentioning the bit with Cordelia when she pulls the bandage off her face from the snake bite. Sure. I think that this bit, with her examining her face, was a very specific homage. Have you seen The Poltergeist? No, I haven't. Okay, in the movie The Poltergeist, there's a scene where a dude walks up to a mirror and then proceeds to peel the flesh off his face. Ew. I don't remember shit about that movie because I saw it when I was really, really young. But I remember that scene vividly, and it always fucks with me. And like, I get flashbacks of this fucking scene when I'm like having to do something with my face in the mirror. It (laughs) fucks with me. And I think that because she's pulling off the bandage and she's like wincing at pulling off the bandage, I think it's a legitimate. Homage to that fucking scene, especially because it's all about the goddamn poltergeist. You could very well easily be right. There are few scenes in this world, and like the effects of that scene aren't even that fucking good, but there are few scenes in this world that fuck with me to the center of my core more than that scene. That reminds me a lot of the scene from The Walking Dead where the zombie's pushing its face through a broken windshield. Yeah. And it's peeling back its face skin. Yeah cool willow gets startled by giles who's obviously trying to talk to miss calendar willow knows that giles is wasting his fucking time yeah he's like uh you might want to stay away from here there might be some paranormal activity contact happening (laughs) and she she the look on her face is you want to talk paranormal activity (laughs) (laughs) i got your paranormal activity right here exactly say anything cool or, or witty or at all. I I can usually make a few vowel sounds and then I have to go away. I don't mean to interrupt your downward mobility. Yeah. You're the Slayer but I just wanted to We're try. like the Slayerettes. Oh please. Buffy, here's the Flamingos Flamingos. Yeah, it's the song I oh, only the... have Eyes for You, which is the title of the fucking episode. Oh yeah! You know I was really upset that there were no disembodied eyes. And no puns about that in this episode. This song specifically, it's a 1955 hit. Yeah. If you hear it, you fucking know it. Everyone fucking knows this song. The lyrics are all pretty easily distinguishable, except for that one part that's really fast where I always hear Beelzebub. (laughs) Beelzebub. I don't know what the actual line is, but I will never unhear that. I'll never unhear that. You'll never unhear Beelzebub. But Buffy sees a class of 55 sign for the Sadie Hawkins dance and looks through the windows. I think it's the music room that she's looking into and sees the couple dancing. That would make sense. Xander goes to the lunchroom and there are still snakes in the lunchroom. What the fuck? I Snyder. mean, I, I really feel like the poltergeist could have just spawned more. That's possible. Right? I didn't even consider that. Yeah, I only just thought of that because I made the same exact note. I was like, <laughs> why are there still snakes? Hellmouth. Right. And we cut back to, but there's a lot of cuts right here. They jump between the characters a lot. Xander's line didn't even make any fucking sense, but, you know, Hellmouth. He calls it Snakealicious. He says, oh, yeah, Snake Snakealicious, baby. Yeah, it's the Snake Snakealicious Lunchroom. Okay, goddammit, and now it does make sense. Fuck. Right? Whatever. Xander is secretly more creative than you think. <sighs> <laughs> Fine. Cut back to Buffy, she's still seeing the flashback, everyone gets into place, she sees James, the ghost, the male ghost, Become a corpse. He like apparates in front of her face and says, Does he say get out? Something like that, yeah. Which like if he's trying to get help, which I've assumed to this point that he was trying to get help, mm-hmm. because he gave her the fucking book and shit to look at. Cordy has her face changed to where it looks like it's burnt and, or like half her face. She she turns into 2 face for a moment in the mirror. Right. Well, uh, going back to your homage thing there, I think that makes it even more likely. Yeah. Because they tried to kind of make it look like her skin was, like, if not peeled off, definitely severely damaged. Exactly. And then Willow gets sucked into the fucking floor. Yeah. Like a quicksand vortex just opened up in the stairwell. And Giles comes running to the rescue and pulls her out. Um, Buffy that's when Buffy gets screamed at by zombie boy we're all over the place in the shots now oh yeah Willow and Giles fall to fall down the stairs and Willow says Jenny could never be this mean Giles says I know it's not yeah. her is it almost disappointed I think this whole episode he's holding on to this hope that he can channel the ghost and actually communicate with her he could feel like she's not completely gone for a second and not completely helpless I suspect that if she's in the afterlife like fully gone gone he won't be able to commune with her yeah and so they do the chant and I personally think that it was Cordy's fault that it didn't fucking work Oh, yeah, because she had to throw it totally in there. Yep. <laughs> she ruined it. She didn't do the chant right. Uh huh. They never touch on why the chant didn't work. They never even question why the chant didn't work. No. Yep. But it's totally her fucking fault. But they do the chant, it fails. They get run out of the school by wasps. Yep. Buffy breaks a double door. Mm. Fuck. You're right there, boss? <coughs> Beer is a bad substitute for oxygen. (laughs) What the fuck? (coughs) (coughs) (laughs) You asshole. (laughs) Anyway, the school is swarmed. Xander gets a decent line here. He's like, well, I guess school is out for good. (laughs) Uh, They're at Buffy's. Uh, They decide as a group that James obviously wants some level of forgiveness, Buffy's super fucking bitter, and she's like, no, fuck him. (laughs) She's like, I'm against it. (laughs) And you know, given her situation, I can't fucking really blame her. Well, yeah, she's bringing a lot of her own baggage into this situation as well. The Scooby gang, as they should, kind of push her aside and be like, look, you're not in a position to deal with this. You need to step aside. And they... Decide they're going to discuss how to deal with the situation. She realizes that she has the fucking flyer for the dance in her pocket. And she wanders out the fucking back door. Yeah, I was wondering how she got a hold of a flyer that said fifty five on it. I didn't real. You mentioned earlier that she grabbed that when she was watching the haunted. I don't recall it showed her grab it when she was watching the haunted dance. Right. I don't recall that it showed her grab the fucking flyer, but she did find it. It was the same flyer. So we hear a a male voice this time whisper, "I need you." Yep. And And so she wanders off to the school, wanders outside and nobody sees her wander away. Willow finds her missing, sees the flyer, deduces that she went back to the school and they all run back to the school. And Giles correctly guesses that Buffy is under the thrall of James's ghost, completely dispelling Cordelia's theory that Buffy is trying to be the big loner hero. So, specifically the wasps let Buffy back into the school. Yes, they made a big arching hole for her to get back in. And really bad effects. Which is <laughs> probably better than I could pull off. I'm not worried about it. Well, of it course told, better than you could pull off, but they, they've they done better effects than that wasp sure. effect. It told the story well enough. I'll, I'll give it that. I, they had to use Angel's line to confirm that it was wasps. I was like, "Is it locusts? Is it flies? Yeah, what?" So this is a moment where it dawns on me that there's the connection between James and Buffy is because they have a very similar like upset mindset thing going on. They they have this same sense of closure that they need to get exactly because. Of the way a relationship ended. Even though it ended very differently for each of them. It kind of left them both feeling the same way. Which is laid out very well. When we get to see Buffy and Angel reenact this scene that we've seen two times now. And they do it way further. They, this this is the f- first time we get to see the entirety of the start scene. Start to finish. Um. So Angel comes up. And at first he's not playing into the scene. You see the moment when Angel is all of a sudden affected by the ghost. So they follow through with the scene. The whole fucking sequence is... I have a full transcription of this, and I would like to turn this into... Do you want to do a dramatic reading? I would like to do a dramatic reading, Rex. You know what? Do you mind? Of all the times that, that we, <laughs> I think we need a dramatic reading, I think this is one of them. Yeah. We, I... Continue. We haven't had a dramatic reading since it's been Angelus. Dig this. Dig this. Sorry, you have to wait. Fire beheading. Hurry up, sweet dreams, sunlight. Hurry up, sweet dreams, oh, water, usual. Oh, yeah. I hit him. With what? A desk. I present to you a dramatic reading by Joshua King. <laughs> I just want you to have some kind of normal life. We can never have that, don't you see? I don't give a damn but this is Buffy it's weird because it's (laughs) they made Buffy the man and they made Angel the woman but it all (laughs) still means the same thing so Buffy's like "Hmm, I don't give a damn about a normal life I'm going crazy not seeing you I think about you every minute (laughs) I know but it's over it has to be come back here we're not finished You don't care anymore, is that it? It doesn't matter what I feel. Then tell me you don't love me. (laughs) Say it. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, that one's Angel. Is that what you need to hear? Will that help? I don't. Now let me go. (laughs) A person doesn't just wake up and stop loving somebody gun manifests in her hand mind you love is forever I'm not afraid to use it I swear if (laughs) I can't be with you oh my god runs away (laughs) don't walk away from me bitch stop it don't make me chases angel onto the promenade oh this is a hard one this one's (laughs) (laughs) alright just I know you don't wanna do this let's just both calm down now give me the gun don't don't do that don't talk to me like i'm some stupid now it's chicken gun put the chicken back in the cage <laughs> so buffy shoots angel so it just works out perfectly the angel is you know kind of immortal yeah I mean, he's not immortal, but a gun doesn't hurt him. But he's still possessed by the ghost. Yeah. And it's never been able to progress this far because the person that gets shot is always dead afterwards. Exactly. And so from this point on, um, James, possessing Buffy, goes to the music room, plays the song by the Flamingos, Yep. is super sad, and is about to shoot herself himself in the head, but Angel shows up with the teacher's ghost in him and stops him stops her. This is confusing, the gender know, switch thing here. But stops I stop start- Buffy from shooting Buffy in the head. Buffy James and Angel Grace. There we go. So Angel Grace stops Buffy James from shooting Buffy James in the head. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. And specifically, Grace forgives James for murdering her and forgives James for the situation and the effect when this happens, they get the closure, the fucking spirits leave Buffy and Angel, and it's a really good CG effect. Yeah. So we've we've had several moments in previous episodes where they really mastered the double conversation. Yeah, specifically with uh, Larry coming out to Xander. This is even better than that. This they took that concept and they said, "What if we apply it to the actual season arc?" Yeah, and exactly. Ca- and two characters that we actually care about. And the, what makes it so effective in this this sequence here is the conversation that grace and james is having is word for word the same conversation that buffy and angel are having and there's no change in nuance and it means two completely different fucking conversations yes it blew my goddamn mind yeah it <laughs> it kind of hurt a little bit it was amazing it was amazing but after they kiss and the, the spirits leave them buffy looks at angel and is like angel and he realizes what the fuck happened and he throws her aside and he runs away because she makes him feel human and he snarls and he runs away like a toddler (laughs) she made me love (laughs) exactly and so the wrap-up's pretty quick here the library wrap-up is really just Buffy explaining to the rest of the Scoobies what happened and that she forgave him, Grace forgave James, and that Buffy doesn't really fully understand why Grace forgave James. Yeah, school is not out forever. Buffy is still confused, but as Giles succinctly puts it, does it really matter? Exactly. I didn't think so. And then we get the layer wrap-up, which is just so much better. Considerably better. Angel is being angel <laughs> he's a love angel and drusilla decide to go off and kill a toddler <laughs> yes they leave and angel of course gives a moment of being able to jibe at at spike because he can't go along because he's stuck in a wheelchair it's and like, they leave he says try to have fun without me and then we get the scene that we've been waiting for josh Oh my fucking god! It's finally here, Rex <laughs> Spike puts his foot down off the off the the little pedal of the wheelchair. I'm like, you can do it, little buddy. <laughs> he stands up. Come on, with perfect ease. Come on, take your first step. He kicks the fucking wheelchair aside. Oh, that's my little spiky boy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Dun dun dun! Oh! Who's my little vampire? <laughs> <laughs> Looks at the camera and they close the episode. fucking arc. Try to have fun without me. We'll have Armageddon. I swear someone, someone, someone get to change. Someone get to change. Someone get to change. You are the one. Someone gets to Someone to get to change. <laughs> And, uh, yeah. How'd you feel about this episode, Rex? My opinion changed halfway through. Yeah? (laughs) I was not liking it at first. Okay. It felt too Monster of the Week, and then the moment I realized that it wasn't Monster of the Week, I was like, holy shit, this is actually pretty fucking good. Yeah. I do have a fun piece of trivia for this. Oh? I found this awesome little tidbit that Joss Whedon in an interview, said that this episode, the acting in the last sequence with David Boreanaz and uh, Sarah Michelle Gellar, this acting, this whole bit, was the moment where he's like, that man can carry his own show. Oh, damn. This is the episode, the scene where they were doing the double conversation is the entire reason why the entire angel show exists awesome i don't know that i agree with the fucking with that point though (laughs) right don't get me wrong the double conversation is fantastic but i don't think david Boreanis really hit it out of the park here not yet he held his own and that a lot of times is a hard enough thing to do especially with i mean we were confused just watching it and it's because we were picking up on the subtle nuances as they were coming at us, and they Fair. never missed a beat. And when when it can flow together so smoothly like that, flawlessly, which is rare, true. I think that's a sign of a goddamn good performance. Maybe not an Oscar performance, but good enough for him to be... On his own series, absolutely. I mean, I'm, I'm not going to go against uh, Joss Whedon's call on that. I can't... I mean, obviously, yeah. Joss Whedon knows what the fuck he's doing. Yeah. When he decided this to make give Angel his own show, he did a good fucking job with it. I don't disagree with him. I'm surprised that this episode was the episode that made him decide that. Well, I, I think it was a straw that broke the camel's back kind of experience. Because look at... Th- the subtle nuance he's been giving to Angelus as opposed to Angel. If he had just been playing plain old Angel this whole time, that's not giving him a whole lot of expansive area to really show off his skills. So, you know, finding a way to differentiate Angelus from Angel, great. That's pretty good. You put some thought into this. But then being able to go from Angelus to 50s school teacher female and wrap it into his old angel character all at the same time he was three fucking characters at once dude three. you know what you know what he was all three characters at the same fucking time You're not wrong and you know what and okay yeah i i bow to your argument He's a believer, he couldn't (laughs) leave me if he tried. How'd you feel about the episode? I was really expecting this to be another Monster of the Week episode with Angel shoehorned in for no good reason. But it didn't end up being that. And it ended up being so much more. No, that final scene, everything else was pretty par for the course, but that final scene sold the episode for me, and I fucking loved it. Why don't we try and pick a quote of the day, though? I'm giving this quote of the day solely because I think that this will be the last instant that we get to have a Snyder quote of the day. And I'm going to give it to his response to the Billy Crandall being chained to the snack machine, the pathetic lowlife vegan line. The whole sequence of the receptionist saying he's chained himself to the the snack machine and his response that to me speaks a background story to sunnydale that we only are getting a glimpse of i kind of want to know what happened to billy crandall (laughs) (laughs) when you put it that way so my quote of the day i'm gonna give to willow xander what happened (laughs) yes did cordelia win another round in the broom closet this was very close to the top of my list as well this is a completely self-evidently amazing line not only is it it's funny coming out of willow and it's (laughs) it's also showing us that she's started to move on from xander and that she can make fun of him and cordy now yeah she finds the humor yeah and you know what if there isn't any other sign in this world that somebody is truly coming into themselves, it's finding the humor of an absurd situation. Yeah. and it just it alleviated some some stress that I didn't know that I had and it was very nice. Thank I you can Willow. accept that I can accept that. yeah. So this has been beer with Buffy. As always, find us on iTunes. give us a review, like, subscribe. Look on our website. You can find a list of all the fun places that you can listen to us. Unfortunately, you can call our voicemail. What's the number for that, Josh? You can call us at 269-743-0783. Find us on Twitter. Find us on Facebook. We have a Facebook group. As always, shout out to our fabulous composer, Ben Alexander. Thank you for making this beautiful music. As always, this has been Beer with Buffy. I'm Rex. I'm Josh. Have a good night. I fucking knew it was coming. You are the slayer. Lives depend upon you. I make the allowances for your years, but I expect a certain amount of responsibility, and instead of which you would enslave yourself to this this a cult. You don't like the color? <laughs> You have a sacred birthright. You were chosen to destroy vampires, not to wave pom-poms at people. Why can't you people just leave me alone? You are the slayer. Go ahead. The pen. I'm a watcher. I, I haven't the skill. Oh come on! By appealing. By appealing to your common sense. Common sense. Common sense. What? told yourself couldn't be by the light of day. One god in all the world. sense. One god in all the world. Consent. was a bit, um, British, wasn't it? Was bit... Whee! Wait, what have we done? Wh- why are we watching this? <laughs> <Yeah>! <laughs>